Hey everyone, welcome back to an episode of Creating Madness. I'm here with my boys Garrett and Ethan. Say what's up, guys. Hey, what's up, John? Glad to be here. Another great day, another great episode. Yes, sir. All right. Um, before we get into the episode, um, before we get into the episode, we'll be talking about uh, few of the major conferences that we found really interesting, uh, including the SWAC, the A-Sun, the Big Sky, and the WAC. Uh, let's quickly discuss Unwrapped, our lovely sponsor. Um, and to join the Patreon, you can be in one of three tiers. For the one dollar tier, it shows that you you just shows that you're donating. You appreciate the content, and you are a member of the family, and we love you for it. Yeah, for the five dollar tier, you get access to Discord, or you get to talk with sports fans around the world. You get also a couple discounts in our shops, and yeah. All right, and for the $10 tier, you get everything that Gary and Ethan just discussed, along with an entry in each month's unwrapped sports memorabilia giveaway. There are jerseys, helmets, rare cards, and much more given out monthly. And for only $10 a month, you can get entered into this prize giveaway. I highly recommend joining and checking out the other podcasts in the network. And as for our socials, you can check us out on Twitter at ATR Madness. Yep, as well as our Instagram at underscore creating madness. And now that we've paid our dues, let's get into the show. All right, so starting out first, we're going to be talking about the whack, but it's not going to be me talking about it. It's not going to be Garrett talking about it. It's not even going to be Ethan talking about it. It's going to be our friend who is a whack analyst, Kyle McDonald. Kyle, just give us a quick intro and plug any socials you need to. Uh, hey, guys, thanks for having me. Like I said, I'm sorry I was a little bit behind with the softball and stuff. But, uh, yeah, just follow Whack Hoops Digest on Twitter. I have a uh, Facebook page. It's Wack Hoops Digest as well. Um, started it, oh, prior to the 2019-20 season. Um, and it's just been a delight to follow the Wack, to cover it, to help kind of talk more about it. And, um, you know, it's been really fun. The interactions with fans, the interaction with coaches, athletes, player. I mean, it's just been great. So thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, no problem. And I say this from the heart. I would give Wack Hoops uh, Digest a follow on Twitter. I really found it entertaining. That's the reason why I brought him on. But speaking of the Wack, Kyle, please tell us everything we need to know this upcoming season about the Wack. Uh, well, I mean, with the Texas schools, Stephen F. Austin, Lamar, Christian joined the Wack. There's a total of 13 men's and women's basketball teams. Um, Southern Utah is set to join next year uh, from the Big Sky in Chicago State. This is their last year in the WAC. Uh, you know, GCU, Grand Canyon University is coming off its first WAC tournament championship and NCAA tournament appearance. Uh, they knocked off, you know, perennial champion New Mexico State, and everybody will say, at least New Mexico State fans will say there's an asterisk, uh, uh, you know, on that because of all the COVID issues that the Aggies had to deal with. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of new faces in the WAC this year. One of the big names is Teddy Allen, who transferred in from Nebraska. He's at New Mexico State. Um, I mean, Savion Flagg from Texas A&M. Cam Tyson from Houston, who played in the Final Four, is up in Seattle now. Um, so there's a lot of new faces, but there's also a lot of familiar faces back. WAC Player of the Year, Fardos Amac, um, returns after testing NBA draft waters. He, uh, for the first time in 40 years last year, he averaged 15 rebounds per game. Um, 
you know, to help the Wolverines earn a co-share of the regular season title with uh, Grand Canyon. Um, yeah, it's going to be a fun year, exciting year, competitive year. Um, New Mexico State's the favorite right now with the – they returned four starters, plus who they brought in from the transfer portal, Teddy Allen, Nate Pryor, and a few others. Um, I have Stephen F. Austin as my number two. They returned four or five starters, and I, I believe it was like three of their top four scores from last year's team. And they're actually postseason eligible this year because they served their postseason ban last year. Uh, my number three is GCU. Um, you know, despite losing four starters from that WAC championship team, Bryce Drew went out and got four, uh, actually it's five division um, power, four power six transfers, and then a Bucknell transfer. Um, two of those guys, Tayshawn Cherry and Holland Woods, transferred over from Crosstown, full Arizona State. So that'll that'll be a fun game when they when they come out with a schedule on that one because they're supposed to go back to. Uh, GCU is supposed to play in Tempe next year, or this year, I should say. Sorry. Um, my number four is AC Abilene Christian. Um, they did lose their head coach in Joel Golding, who's the head man at UTEP now. But Brett Tanner was the associate head coach. So, I mean, and he was a catalyst of their last, their defensive schemes, which led them to a win over Texas in the NCAA tournament. So, um, a lot, lot of consistency there. I'm sorry if you're a Texas fan, but... <laughs> yeah. Um, my number five, I think people are a little surprised at it, but I have Seattle as my number five. And, and here's why. They don't have a ton of size, but they might have the best guards in the WAC. Darian Trammell and Riley Grigsby were the top two scorers in the WAC last year. They're both back. Um, then they add Cam Tyson, like I said, from Houston. Uh, Aaron Nettles is back. Kobe Williamson, uh, Emeka Udni is back. I mean, they just have uh, everybody back. So that's why I'm high on the on the Red Hawks up there. Um, that's my top five right now. It'll change though because I mean, games aren't played on paper, right, guys? Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> we got to put it on the floor, and um, you know, it, it's such a it's going to be such a competitive league. Um, you know, Sam Houston State's going to be right there. Utah Valley's going to be right there with, you know, Farrell's Amac. And then they might have one of the best guard, I should say best combo guards in the league in Trey Woodbury. Um, CBU can shoot the lights out. And from what I was told by the Chicago State Athletic Director, don't count out Chicago State like everybody does. So uh, that's just what I was told by the athletic director. You know how – positive they can be and how excited they are for a new season and stuff but uh yeah i mean it's 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 gonna be a wide open league i think well i I talked with their broadcaster the other day actually because he i've talked with him for a couple months now because i went to a broadcasting camp with him apparently chicago state could be a surprise for the whack which i find interesting especially seeing as they're about i don't know the 347th team in the country last year? Yeah, they, they've been sub-300 in Ken Palm rankings for, oh, I don't know how long. But, yeah, their AD, Elliot Charles, you know, we talked a little bit, and he was telling me that they have a good group of, of kids coming in 
that have experience playing at the highest levels, athleticism, they can shoot. Plus, they got a new head coach and uh, Coach Gillian. I, I don't know that they're, they're not going to win the whack. Let's just put it out there. They're not going to win the whack, but they're going to surprise people, I think. And plus, I don't know if you guys saw it. Their schedule came out. They have five non-conference home games, and that doesn't happen for the Chicago State Cougars. So, I, mean, I mean, I know we're talking about Chicago State, and everybody's like, why are you talking about Chicago State? They're still the cellar dwellers, but it's fun to talk about those guys because you kind of root for them to have success. True. Yeah, and, so, you know, if you had to give a if you had to give a projection for who is going to win the MVP or the defensive player of the year or the coach of the year or all of them, who would you be giving those awards to? Just I'm just curious. Yeah, you're putting me on the spot there. Um, you know, I think that kind of flies under the radar all the time. And he did last year until the WAC tournament championship was GCU point guard, Javon Blackshear. He ended up being the tournament MVP for, you know, from GCU. And I, I think he's going to have a special season because there's going to be more on his plate. Like he's going to have to score more and he's going to have to do more for the Lopes um, the ball is going to be in his hand a lot. And so I think he, he could be up there for whack player of the year. If Fardo Zamak does what he did last year, again, he'll be right there. Um, you know, people will say Teddy Allen from New Mexico state should be considered the problem with New Mexico state. And this is why they haven't had a whack player of the year in a while is they're not, they're not a, their offense isn't built for one guy to go off every night. Like one night it'll be Jabari Rice. Another night it'll be Clayton Henry. Another night it'll be Johnny McCants. So, like, unless Teddy Allen scores like 25 points a game, I don't I don't see that. But I think it's going to really come down to two guards, in my opinion, in Javon Blackshear Jr. and Darian Trammell up at Seattle. That's just my my guess for the WAC Player of the Year. Defensive Player of the Year, I'm going to go out on a limb, and I'm going to say Jeff O'Cherry from UTRGV. Big 6'11", rim protector, athletic. Um, last year, just kind of started in the middle of the season because he was hurt early on, um, but he's, he's a dominant big man down there in the paint. There's not a lot of big men like him in regards to, like, athleticism and being able to protect the rim. So there. Um, trying to think, what else you guys asked? You asked Coach of the Year, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that, that would be great. Ooh. Golly, you guys, that's, that's the that's – the, it's so hard to pick a Coach of the Year because there's – so many variables that be at play. I mean, maybe, maybe, I, maybe even your top three. All right, my top three probably Chris Jans, Kyle Keller. So, Chris Jans from New Mexico State, Kyle Keller from Stephen F. Austin. <sighs> and if Seattle does what I think it can do this year, I'm going to go with Jim Hayford from Seattle. I know, I know it's a stretch, but just like 
understand. They have all five starters back. They beat everybody that they played last year at least one time. And they were a shot away from beating Utah Valley in the one game that they played against them. And now they add another three-point shooter who's athletic as well. Um, plus, they brought over a big guy from Washington State. So people don't think much of the Red Hawks. I'm not one of those people. I'm pretty high on Seattle right now. So I hope they don't let me down. Man, um, thank you for that analysis. That's about the best whack analysis you're going to get out there, frankly. Um, again, look at whack hoops uh, digest on Twitter and Facebook for any more information about this upcoming season. Going to be really entertaining considering that four of the top six teams from the Southland Conference all decided to join the WAC. So it's going to be a really competitive mid-major. Uh, Kyle, thank you for talking about the WAC. Um, as for our next conference, my man Garrett will be talking about the A-Sun. Garrett, please tell us what you know about the A-Sun for this season. Um, this year, it's going to be Liberty's conference. Uh, last year, they were by far the best team in the conference, 23-6 and six overall, got the NCAA bid, played a competitive game with Oklahoma State, only lost by nine points. <laughs> oh, holy cow, excuse me. And then they also had uh, regular season wins over Mississippi State and South Carolina. And to carry that over into this year, they are returning their leading scorer, Darius McGee, 5'9", 160-pound guard, really drives the offense, 14 points, four rebounds, two assists per game, shoots 45% from the floor and 40% from three. Just really solid, solid performance, really solid player, and he's going to carry the team. Another person to watch is Drake Dobbs. He, is, he didn't get a whole lot of playing time last year, but did uh, come up with 11 points in the ASUN tournament against Kennesaw and scored 2,000 career points as a high schooler at Eden Prairie in Minnesota. So I, he needs to step up his game with the improved minutes and get more points. And I expect this Liberty team to be right back in the mix. I mean, 23 wins last year. I would say that 25 is probably their ceiling this year. Um, it, that might be slightly high just as I do. They don't have not released the non-conference schedule yet. So it's going to depend a little bit who they end up playing non-conference, but I would say low end is going to be 22 wins for them and another tournament bid. So definitely Liberty, the team to watch there. Um, second place last year in the a sun was, I'm probably going to say this wrong. Uh, Bellamine. And I was looking at Bellamine and, I thought about breaking down what they were going to do this year. And then I looked at their schedule and realized the rest of the teams in this conference, just they, they don't matter. Like this is Liberty's conference. That's just all there is to it. Liberty is the only team that played anybody that mattered outside the conference play. They ran away with this conference. Nobody, nobody talent wise was even close to them and they're just going to keep doing it. So that's what I got on the A-Sun. Watch Liberty. They're going to be fun to watch. They're going to beat up the rest of the conference. I just really wish FTCU was just Dunk City still. That'd, that would just make my college basketball year. But unfortunately, you know, we're not going to have that. We're going to have Liberty dominating again per usual. I think they've been to yeah. the last four NCAA tournaments, if I'm not wrong. Representing yeah, and 
I, I, I really tried. I looked at Bellamine. I even I checked out North Alabama. I checked out North Florida and just I, I tried to find a legitimate number two to talk about. And I, it, it's a toss up. It's Liberty by a mile and then everybody else. And you'll see you later with the swack. That's my same analysis. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, good analysis, good analysis. And Garrett, you didn't waste our time and, you know, gave us some good analysis. But uh, moving on to our next conference, uh, our boy Ethan. We talking about the big sky, Ethan. Right. Hit us right. first off. Huge thank you to Corey who helps get me started with some of my analysis. But you know, looking at the MVP for this conference, just going right into this, Tevian Jones, Southern Utah guard. Well, the Illinois transfer had a hell of a year. I'll go into that a bit later when I'm going over Southern Utah. Defensive player in the year though. I'm easily going to have to go with Amin Admanu of the Montana State Bobcats. Last year, he averaged a solid steal .6. Although only averaging a quarter block per game, only thing he really needs to do is just get those steals up, keep his defensive rebounds up, and then maybe get a couple more blocks a game. In reality, there's not a huge bunch of defensive presence big men. So, all a guard really has to do, if they can get two and a half steals, they're set. Freshman of the year, Johnny Braggs, Montana. I'll go more into him in a little bit, just because I'm actually touching on Montana team and the Southern Utah team. Montana State, I think, is a surprise team, but I don't think they're coming anywhere close to the title. Whereas, I'm going to just start off with going into number three, two, one, Weber State, Montana, Southern Utah. That's how I think it finishes out. And before I go into all those teams, I want to talk about Eastern Washington. You know, the team that nearly beat Kansas last year. So you'd think they'd have a good core returning, right? What do you guys think? Do you think they have a good core returning? You would would hope so. (laughs) Well, let's talk about this. You got Kim Aiken, Tanner Groves, Jacob Groves, Tyler Johnson, and Michael Meadows. All gone. Wow. All, the, all gone. What's that, five of their six top scorers? Yeah. Jeez. They are screwed. Like, they, David Riley's <laughs> a new coach, but, like, they're going to need something here. I'm sorry. You just lost your entire team to the transfer portal. That's, I, I mean, that's just a victim of the transfer portal this year. Yeah, which that, I, that, I find annoying. Just, well, exactly. Like, that team could have competed. That team could have potentially even stepped up and made the Sweet 16 this year if they had, you know, good matchups. But they all they went to Power 5 or other mid-major schools that they thought they had a better chance to gain their name out. Respect, but like... Hashtag the NCAA sucks. We're starting that. Yep. <laughs> all right, let's move into Team 3. Oh, yeah. Pretty well, sure that's been a hashtag for 30 years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. uh, okay. Weber State adding Marquette transfer Kobe McEwen and Jameson Overton from Utah Valley. So, Kobe McEwen was a former – or my bad. <clears throat> Kobe McEwen was a former Utah State Rookie of the Year. Or Utah Valley, MWC Rookie of the Year. 
That's huge right there. You're getting a former Mountain West Conference player that was extremely solid. And Weber State, just having those two transfers in is huge for them. You have a power six guy, and then you have that. Then you also have Sekou Sisoa Dewara returning as your second leading scorer as he looks to take, you know, the key player's step and using his tremendous shooting ability to lead Weber to a potential tournament spot. Then moving into Montana, Johnny Bragg's coming in as a freshman. If he can earn his minutes, he'll be a key contributor on the team, fighting to win the big sky. Very athletic and a well-shooting guard that can play defense and something that every single small mid-major school wants, and that's exactly what Montana got. Also joining this team are transfers Scott Blakeney from Idaho and Lionel Martin Jr. from Otero Junior College. And they're still keeping their top two scores from last year and Robbie Beasley and Kyle Owens, who both averaged 10.5 points a game. One's a sophomore, one was a freshman last year. That's huge. If Montana can actually manage to keep those two for all four years, Montana could end up winning the Big Sky many times in their careers. And finally, Southern Utah. They're keeping John Knight, averaged 14 points a game. Draymond Marin, who averaged 12 points a game. And then Tevion Jones. This is the one play I'm actually going to take a lot of detail in. Ever since he's left Illinois for Southern Utah, he's taken off. And 17 points a game, four and a half boards. That's some good stats. 0.7 steals a game. The kid's a monster on offense. I think he can average 20-plus this year going into his senior year. If he can manage to do that and show potentially more better shooting, because he did only – he averaged 42 points, 42% from the field goal, and then 349 from three. If he can just up those a bit. 5% each. He's NBA ready, and I want to see what he can do with the Southern Utah team. Okay. Thank you very much, Ethan. Um, moving into our last conference, which will be me covering the SWAC. Now, some of you, if you're diehard college basketball fans, already clicked off the video, but if you're still here, wait. Um, the SWAC is traditionally the worst conference in college basketball, like by a mile. Um, but there is one team in the SWAC that, no exaggeration, I believe if they put the pieces together, do good on their out-of-conference schedule, which you'll see in just a second, and run the table in their conference and win their conference tournament, they could be, get ready for this, a 14-13 to 13 seed. That's not, me, that's not me acting insane. Before I even go into this team, I want to show you their out-of-conference schedule. And this is all the teams, real quickly. Um, at Oregon, at St. Mary's, at Washington, at Air Force, at NC State, at BYU, at Law Tech, at Florida, at UC Rio Grande Valley, at Cincinnati, at TCU. That is their out-of-conference schedule for a SWAC team, which traditionally they only play subpartment major teams in their out-of-conference schedule. The team I'm referring to is the Texas Southern University Wildcats. Now, if you pay attention to the brackets over the years, you can see that the Texas Southern Wildcats are traditionally the team that's representing the SWAT conference and traditionally they get blown out of the water uh, every single time they play a team. I mean, I remember they lost to Arizona like 50, like a few years ago. Do y'all remember that? Yeah. Yes. So, oh, yes, sir. Sorry. I was nodding at you. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's all good. Um, you know, but the point is that these teams are usually very weak in the tournament and they're usually in the play in games as well. Um, but I think that if they do get in their out-of-conference schedule, 
that could change all of that. They went on an 11 game winning streak last season to end the year. And although they lost their best player, their leading scorer, um, Ty Gordon, I think that the addition of Shaquille O'Neal is a, the reason why they had the balls to have the out of conference schedule, but they did, but to have a three-star, which this conference is not usually getting three stars. This is a, this is an anomaly. Let's be real. This is not happening on a regular basis. Um, to get a guy like Shakir O'Neal and to add on to a team that went to the tournament last year, won 11 straight games in their conference, um, and even won a playing game is huge. And I think that they have the capability to easily run the table in the SWAT conference. But I also think they could win some out-of-conference games. Um, some winnable games that I could see them, you know, winning. Uh-huh. Um, is I could see them winning at St. Mary's. I could see them winning at Air Force. I could even see them winning at Washington. I could see them winning at BYU. I could see them winning at Florida. I could see them definitely winning at UT Rio Grande Valley and Louisiana Tech, and I could see them winning at Cincinnati and TCU. Um, the point is, is outside of Oregon and North Carolina State, these are games that this team can win. And I feel like if they just win a few of them and run the comp, run the table in their conference, this will be a team that people will have to respect. They have to give them a 15, 14, or even 13 seed. And so... To be honest, I think this is the only team that has a chance of doing literally anything. Every other single other team in this conference is either on NCAA probation or just isn't worth my time of day. Um, and you might you might think, well, John, you should you should give us the whole conference analysis. It's not worth your time. I've done the research. It's just not it's not worth your time. This episode. Um, if any other team wins the conference besides Texas State, which is improbable, um, and they win a game in the tournament that's not a playing game, I'll shave my head. It's just not happening. So. Um, I think Texas State has the potential to be the highest seed that we've seen from this conference in years, maybe even its existence. Uh, but outside of that, no other team's worth my time of day. I, not, even, not even worth mentioning. So um, that's my analysis for the SWAT conference. And we've gone over the A-Sun, WAC, and Big Sky. Thank you for tuning into this episode. It was a fun one. We, brought, we even brought in a special guest. Um, we'll hit you guys back next week. Um, make sure to listen. Make sure to not listen. Make sure to go to our socials. Twitter is at ATR Madness. Instagram is at underscore creating madness. Um, And we'll see you all next week. Have a great day and, you know, keep on listening.